All the youth, all the youth are dismissed. All the youth are dismissed. Grade seven to 12th grade. You can go with Jordan Washington. Good afternoon or good morning. Oh, no, no, no. Good afternoon or good morning. Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie, I'm really excited about this message. So before I even start, let me at least say this. Me and Pastor had two different approaches, same biblical approach, same exegetical approach, just two different angles to the same message. So if you want to supplement or even add to, please see 8 o'clock service. I'm, my approach is the same but different. So I'm going to go ahead and disappoint him now. He's here. So if he wasn't here, I wouldn't have said that. But let us pray together, dive into the word of God. I'm excited about diving. Dearly Father, we thank you so much. And I pray that everyone in this sanctuary is excited about what you're going to do. Because we don't have to ask you to bless it. We don't have to ask it to be powerful. It already is. My prayer is for all of our hearts. Because I know last night as I was praying about this message, you were convicting me. So when I preach it, I preach from that conviction because I know you already softened my heart to this same word. Secondly, I pray for your people's hearts. I can't change it. I can't make it get excited about the word of God. I know they've all had distracting weeks. They've probably all been hurt or went through something this week that has distracted them from this very moment. But I pray that Satan can't steal this seed. That when, when we throw the seed today, that it lands on fertile soil. So, God, I do pray for your people in that regard. God, all I can do is submit it to you at this point. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I had a couple people come to my house, and they, they see the finished picture. Right? They always say, ooh. Now, my house ain't big, nor is it that nice, but they just be like trying to, they they, they gas it. They, you know, they try to be, you know, people like Jordan, they like to gas stuff up. And they're like, oh, bro, when I grow up, I want to have a house. Like, first and foremost, stop saying when you grow up, I'm not that old. That's disrespectful. <laughs> I'm not going to allow our birthdays coming, and I'm, I'm not really pleased with the age that's coming with it. Um, but that's okay. So then when they come over, they be talking like a whole bunch of noise. Like, yeah, man, when I, when I get older, I need you to stop. I want a house like this. And I'm like, it's not really a house. It's a one story. I mean, I mean, it's a house, but it's not that nice. But they be like, nah, bro. Because Monica makes everything look good. You know, she decorates it. She makes it look like a house. You know, if I decorate it, have a couch, a TV, and a bed. That's all you really need in life. You wouldn't have no shelves and floating shelves and got to find the beams in the house and got me beeping all over the house trying to find stuff. It's not the vibe, but Monica makes it look good. But if you knew the journey, to get to the house, you would just be concerned. You wouldn't see the, you'd see the finished results. You wouldn't be talking about the end because you realize it took a whole bunch of steps to get there. That it wasn't my finances that got us there. It was God that got us there. But not only was it God that got us there, it was a whole bunch of moves that had to be made in order to get us to the house we're in now. And I guess what I'm trying to say is that sometimes we look at God's house and we don't realize the moves that has to be made and includes you on getting the house to be a finished product. We don't realize that people, we walk in the house and say, ooh, it looks good. But it, it's the people inside of it. It's the moves that God had to make. It's the dots that he had to connect that would get us to the finished results. So if we were to worry about the end, we would never know the journey and the discipleship and everything that took place in order to get us here. And my concern is that everybody likes the church, but we don't know what it took. Everybody likes the building that we're in, but we don't know what it took. Everybody says, hey, man, I, don't, I like Living Word Fellowship Church, but we want you to be more than just liking and sitting. We want you to be discipled by. So the dots that we're fixing to connect today, I pray that you will go with the up and down journey of this because it's not always pretty. It's not always pretty when you have to sell things, lose money. You try to get a down payment. Everybody knows the process today. You're going to put down your down payment, though. I want you to turn to Acts 16 with me real quick. We're going to start in verse 1, but before we even start in verse 1, let me give you the background because the background makes the points that we're going to make even more beautiful. Because right before you even get to Paul doing what he's fixing to do, there is something that happened previous. There was a loss is the best choice of words. And before I can even, before you can even appreciate your gains, you got to appreciate your losses. Watch what happens real quick because I want you to 
enjoy the passage with me. And I know Pastor didn't necessarily talk about this first service, but this is one of my favorite points. Look at verse 36 of chapter 15. It's in the right above you. It says, after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, watch whose idea this was, because Paul was called to the Gentiles, let us return. But right there, Barnabas comes with an idea to take this guy named John Mark. John Mark, Paul didn't want John Mark to go because there was a difference in opinion on why John Mark should even go because he didn't participate in the first journey. So Paul was like, nah, John Mark shouldn't go. Barnabas thought John Mark should go. And right there, they said had a sharp disagreement and they went their separate ways. Now, this is big. Because you would think after a breakup like that or a temporary disagreement like that, Paul would have been like, man, Barnabas is the one who took me. Now hear me out. Before the apostles to get Paul approved, Barnabas was the one that walked with Paul on these journeys. You would have thought that Paul would have stopped when he lost the person that brought him along. Hear me out. You would have thought that Paul would have said, well, if Barnabas ain't going, I ain't going. So even though it was Paul's idea because Paul was called. All this is going to make sense in a second because if you're in your calling, you don't care who you lose in the process. This is going to make sense because you would have thought that he would have stopped. You would have said, hey, it makes sense, bro. That was a guy who took you. That was a guy who approved you. That was a guy who did all this. And now you have to do the journey all by yourself. Now, he took, he took somebody with him. It just wasn't Barnabas. And we're going to talk about this, but what I want you to understand before we even dive into the message is that I want you to get this. Some of us have stopped doing our calling because we broke up with somebody else. Some of us in this room stopped coming to church because somebody else hurt you in the church. Some of y'all won't serve in ministries because you don't like the person you serve in ministry with. Some of y'all became pew sitters because of your past pains and past breakups. Some of us are saying, you know what, I can't get married in the future because my past breakup was too difficult. Some of y'all are sitting here saying, well, I can't be a better husband because you don't know the trauma I came from. And I'm trying to get you to understand your past only proves that you need to move forward. Because some of us are stuck. If I'm honest about church, we have a lot of stuck Christians. We, we don't mind the spiritual part. We don't mind mm, the Christian part. But we ain't necessarily growing either. We just stuck. We just, we just say, if he ain't going, I ain't going. If he don't want to go to church, I ain't going to church. If my husband don't go, the wife don't go. If my kids don't want to go, I don't want to go. And God, I'm like, what does that have to do with your calling? So you have to be asking right now, what is your calling? I told you I'd tell you about this real estate journey. Let me get back to that. On the first house, while we got to this end house, the first house we went to was very small. My parents all set us up, and, they, and I had a realtor that was amazing, Mama Bonton, and she, she was laying it out, or Mama Keel, actually. And she was laying it out for us, and she was like, you need to get this house. Now, the house was okay. It was small, but it didn't matter. It was our first house. We made sure we, Monica did all the decorations, but then the market crashed. So I had this cra crazy idea. I said, well, let's sell while the market's crashing. Because if we sell while the market's crashing, we may lose, but we fixing to gain square footage. Because we're going to sell this house, lose money. I'm going to double the square footage because that house is also losing money. So watch what I'm fixing to do. My wife said, hey, baby, it sounds crazy, but I like the idea. I guess what I'm trying to get you to understand is that sometimes you got to lose so you can appreciate the double square footage. That some of us are like sad. You're like, oh, I lost this person. I lost this issue. I, my marriage seems like it's losing. I'm like, it's okay if you lose, if you recognize that if you obey your calling, you will double. And I'm not always talking about money. This is not a prosperity sermon. So you can get that out of your head. Like I lost money this year. Pierre's right. I'm fixing to double it this year. That ain't the sermon. <laughs> I lost my girlfriend this year. I'm going to get two of them. That's not the sermon. This sermon is about you building to say what? I'm going to keep going even if I lose. But you have to know what your calling is. Here's the issue. Some of us lose in our own calling and wondering why God ain't taking you to your next house. It wasn't his house in the first place. Some of us are building our own calling called a house and saying God bless the house. And God's like, I never blessed that in the first place. A calling is God's desire for your life according to his word. So if you outside of his word, you can't say this is my calling. Secondly, a calling is according to his purpose. So if you're not going according to his purpose, that is not his will. So you got to, we have to, me, Pierre Kenneth has to make sure before we make the next move, before we are okay with losing, you got to make sure you're losing according to God. Because it's never really a loss when you're doing it for God. 
But let me get back to the point. After that, you would thought, right, that's enough for Paul not to do anything. But then guess what he does in verse 1 of chapter 16? He keeps going. Paul came to Derby and to Lystra. Now here, this is big because he already went there before. This is where the dots start to connect. He's been here before all the way in chapter 14 of Acts. This was his second journey. This was his idea. This was his calling. But he had to travel 100 miles through a mountainous journey just to get there. Hear it out. So you would have thought, man, not only did I just lose the person I was rocking with, now on top of that, I got to travel 100 miles through the mountains just to get to the place I got to go to that I've already been before. How many of y'all like going back to where you've been? How many of you like not only going back to where you've been, but you got to work to get there? Poof. How many of y'all like going back to people who hurt you? Because if I prove it to you in Acts chapter 14, verse 9, guess what happened? They stoned him here. Did y'all hear that? The place he's going back to is the exact same place he was stoned at. So you would have thought if they stoned me once, I'm not going back twice. And guess who stoned them? The Jews. So if you were to say, oh, man, I'm, I'm, not, I'm never going back to the place that I was stoned because it's not a part of my journey. Do y'all know you have seasons in life? Do you know there's some seasons where God is saying, hey, I, I'm, I'm going to move you from these people. And some seasons he's sending you right back to them. But some of us like the season when we don't have to see the people who stoned us. But what we don't recognize, if it's a part of your calling, it doesn't matter if they stoned you. You're going right back to them if God tells you to. Do you want to go, though? I don't think some of us are okay with that because some of us say, hey, Pierre, I've forgiven them, but I won't go back to them. How many of y'all say, you know, we just need distance right now? Knowing that every time you see them, your heart is tearing inside because God told you to go witness to them. How many of y'all stop witnessing to the people because you said, hey, they never going to listen? He's going right back to them. But not only is he going to the people who stoned them, according to Acts chapter 14, verse 19, excuse me, he planted some seeds there. This is important. He planted some seeds there. But he gets to go back and now he's fixing to see it. But if he doesn't go back, he doesn't see it. I think some of us are fatigued because we keep laying seeds, but we ain't seen the result. How many of y'all like, Pierre, man, I've been to this church a long time. I ain't seen my fruit. I've invested in these kids a long time, but I ain't seen my fruit. I've been investing in my marriage a long time, but I ain't seen my fruit. You can't see fruit if you don't go back to the tree. I want you to understand this. Some of us walking away from the tree saying, God, I can't see all the seeds I planted in my past, but you keep creating distance from the tree in which you planted. If, if. You want to see the results of the dots in which God has put. Do you recognize that God put people in your life where you were supposed to plant the seed, but you were never supposed to see it grow? Please hear this. Some of us, we threw seeds down and God said, I'll take care of the growth. You can look it in your scripture where God says, you can throw it or I can water it, but I'm the one who causes growth. First Corinthians chapter three. You don't aren't even able to cause growth. Only God can. It's your job to chunk the seed, though. And if you chunk the seed, you have seasons in which you water and you stay and you have seasons where God says you threw it. Now keep going. But if you don't aren't obedient to going back where you threw the seed in the first place, you'll never see the results of that seed. Oh. <laughs> Obedience doesn't mean you like where you go. Obedience doesn't mean you want to go home and love your wife after she called you and chewed you out for an hour. Obedience doesn't mean you want to bring flowers home to the same wife who obviously ain't flower worthy. Obedience doesn't mean you want to do something for your husband even though you ain't the leader you thought he was. Obedience doesn't mean you, you go home and love your husband and your kids even though they've talked about you, slammed doors, and cussed you out behind your back. That is feelings. The second one is obedience. I wonder if we would have healthier marriages if people were obedient rather than feeling, feeling worthy. And I wonder if we didn't worry about the seeds we plant and waiting for the results before we'll continue to be obedient. Hear me out. I think some of us want to see the tree grow before we go do something God wants us to do in the first place. Hear me out. We want to see God prove that we were right all along and then we'll continue to be obedient. God's like, ah, now you got stoned last time, now go back. I'm not worried about the results, but now I'm going to let you see it. 
Because you know what happens next? I only, I only focused on four words. Y'all saw that? It was only four words, and it carried that much history. But watch what he says next. It says, and two leads and a disciple was there. And a disciple was there. Would he have saw the disciple if he wasn't there? No. And you know what the disciple's name was? His name was Timothy. But before I even talk about Timothy, the disciple, can I define disciple for you? Because a lot of times in America's terms, when we say the word disciple, it means somebody who's what? Serious about their faith. I want you to just, let me just make this distinct, distinct, distinct let me distinguish it real quick. Whew. Let me make this point. You know they didn't have to distinguish anyone when they said the word disciple in the past because if you said you were a Christian, you were doing Christian things. Hear me out. Now we have to say, are you a disciple or are you just a Christian? Now people will say this word, are you spiritual? Nobody even knows what that means. It's like crystals and incense and I know my zodiac sign. And let's talk about zodiacs for a second. Stop, stop, stop talking about I, I, I met another Aquarius. <laughs> Stop. This is, all, this is not even in my sermon. Because y'all have noticed that every characteristics of the, all the signs is just general. <laughs> but you'll be like, yeah, you know what? This is just my Aquarius coming through. No, you mad. That's why it's coming through. You, you got no self-control. That's what's coming through. You're talking about uh, blaming on my Zodiac sign. Get your month out of here. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. That was, bur- that, was, that was bubbling up inside. <laughs> disciple. I, wanna, I want you to get this. A disciple means a person who follows after. If you go all the way to the New Testament, it means somebody who followed after Jesus. That means follow his teaching. It's a part of it. But I just want to give you that definition. But in this specific verse, it just means somebody who followed after. It just means somebody who took what they believed in and it became a part of their life. It wasn't a distinguishing term, meaning if you believed in Jesus, you were a disciple already because they expected you to become a disciple. The problem with American Christianity is that you could believe in Jesus, but don't do any of the following. So when they say disciple, it means he was already doing what he was supposed to do, and I'm going to prove it to you. But let's get back to the background, because remember I told you God would connect these dots of Paul's journey, because he just lost somebody, now he's fixing to what? Gain somebody. Didn't I tell you about seasons? That some of us are too caught up in the person we lost that we don't recognize God's adding to your life for your journey and your calling? That some of us don't even realize that Barnabas had to go so Paul could come, Timothy could come in? That... Y'all still holding on to people saying Barnabas come back and God's like, if you would have went to Derby and Lystra, you would have met your Timothy. But some of y'all still caught up in where you were with Barnabas. It's over now. <laughs> and I, we don't, I don't want to make sure I get this. Barnabas and Paul reconcile. Everything's cool on the back end before y'all think it's like, oh, I'm never coming back. They good. They'll be all right. Timothy. But Timothy didn't come from the background you thought, huh? Because let's read it. It He didn't even come from the spot you thought. You thought a disciple would have had two parents. Everything would have been legit. Watch his background. Was a son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. Hmm. Ladies, I'm going to talk to you for a second. Who was the believer? The mother. And guess who else was a believer? The grandma. So if Eunice and Lois, because we're going to put some names on them, were both believers. Guess who influenced Timothy to be a believer? The mama. And guess who had to influence the mama? Watch these dots connect. Guess who had to influence the mama and the grandma to leave their Jewish beliefs and become Christians? Paul. So if Paul didn't go to his first journey and plant seeds, And then the seed was already growing in his departure. Let me give you some more historical background. When Paul went the first time, some believe believe that Timothy was only 12. When he came back the second time, now he's 18. So there was a six-year gap, hear me out, between when he planted the seed and then he got to see the fruit of the seed. But let me talk to the women real quick. Remember that verse talks about a a woman can sanctify her home? Y'all know that one, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 
where it talks about how if a, even if the husband is not necessarily doing his job, a woman can sanctify her home. Women, don't give up because somebody's not doing their job. I want to talk to you because you don't recognize the strength in which God has given you because you never know if you're raising your Timothy. Some of us have said, well, he ain't doing what he's supposed to do. I'm a single mama. I, I, you don't know how hard it is. So first and foremost, let me stop and say, I applaud you. I respect you. And I give you the, 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 the respect in which you deserve. But don't stop. Because guess who came along and finished the job? Paul. So even though you're like, Pierre, you don't know how hard it is. You never know when Paul is coming. You never know when God's going to take over your journey and raise the next Timothy. But if you don't raise the next Timothy, if you give up and say, I'm going to turn them over to the streets and let them raise them, you'll never see the seed in which you plant. Ladies, don't give up. Don't give up. Some of y'all are tired. You're fatigued. You've done it all by yourself. You cook, you clean, your mom and your dad. Mm -mm. And Barnabas don't got to come either. Sometimes. Sometimes. But guess what else was distinct about this journey? Timothy was a Jew by, by birth. This is really cool. It's just historical. I want to give you something. He was a Jew by birth because mama was Jew. That was the rule. It's kind of like the one drop rule for African-Americans, right? So if your mama a Jew, you a Jew. So that was important to the rest of what I'm fixing to say. I just want to give you the background. If you look at First and Second Timothy, you can look all the, way at, all the way back to Acts, and you'll realize how much this was a part of the background, but also what Timothy became. And he said, a son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. That's a big distinguishment. He was Jewish because something had to happen to the Jewish man. But let me, before I get there, it says, and he was well spoken of. I like this one. This is good. People will notice. Let me finish this verse because I want to give you the whole thing. He was well spoken of by the who? Brethren. Okay, let me, I had to finish that so I can put classification on what I'm fixing to say next. People will notice if you're serious about your walk. Hear me. You know what the word uh, he was well spoken of? It means that he was approved by other Christians. So a lot of times they'd be like, man. I'm tired of walking this alone, but you don't even know who's watching you. That the, the Christian brethren will look at Timothy and say, this man is serious about his faith. This man is serious about his faith. He is approved by the brethren in the church because this little young 18-year-old, so let's stop and make sure we give him his age. Stop letting your age dictate your calling. I wish the youth weren't here just to hear it. Because Paul also had to go encourage him and tell him what? Don't let people be ashamed of your youth, but set an example. And some of us, when we walk into church, we're like, man, I'm too young to get my life started. And God's like, I want to use you while you're young. But moving on, not only does he want to use you while you are young, so don't let no old person, excuse me, tell you what your calling is and what you're supposed to do. If you beat out the old gentleman for your ministry area, beat him out. I'm just joking. It's not a competition. <laughs> Go fast. <laughs> Discipleship in your life should be obvious. Fruit should be shown. You know, I, I, I want our church to be able to see young fruit. That's just how churches, churches die, don't they? They die because we, we wait on the fruit for old people. When God is saying, I don't care about your age, every disciple should show fruit by now. I'm excited about second service. You know why I'm excited about second service? Because even though it's, it's for everybody, I want to make sure that the young people know this is a place where I can show fruit. We want to accommodate you by saying, young adult, younger, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your age. I look at people like Jordan Washington and Key Rons who are younger in their faith but are saying, I am willing to say, not just become a Christian, but I'm willing to walk it and then their fruit become evident to all. But you know something else about discipleship that's crazy? You have to be connected and brethren in order for them to see your fruit in the first place. This is big because we often want to walk a lonely journey, but then wonder why nobody see you. How are they going to see you if as soon as church says amen and then pastor gives the benediction and you the first one out the door not fellowshipping with the brethren? Like you can't be, no offense, you can't be an online member and then be like, man, I wonder what they gonna, they'll never call me about being no deacon. No, we ain't going to call you. We don't even know you.
Christ. No offense. Love you. Nobody sees my gifts. We can't see you. You see me. I don't know where you are. I can sing if they just w win. <laughs> to who? Your shower ministry don't affect us. Sorry. Let me bring it back up. Let me edify you. You're great. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let me stop. But I really want to say this well. We can't be lonely, lone ranger Christians and expect people to see the result of it. Do you recognize that fruit should be somebody else should be able to eat off of? Hear me. If somebody else can't eat off your tree, maybe you ain't fruitful. I'm not talking about preachers and only deacons and elders. I'm talking about if somebody else can't benefit off the fruit in which you produce, either you ain't producing fruit or your fruit is spoiled and nobody want to eat it. Because guess what? If they can eat off your fruit, they're going to tell somebody else that they can come eat the same tree. You know how it went down the neighborhoods, right? If there was a tree back in the day that had sweet fruit, everybody went to that tree because it had sweet fruit and everybody knew about it. The word passed. That's what happened to Timothy. The word was passing. Like, you checked out Timothy yet? I know he's young, but have you checked him out? That's what I want for this church. If you don't want this church to die, we need young people who are going to say, I answer the call, I'm good. I wish, I'm so thankful for a pastor that says, start a second service and make it contemporary. Are you, are you, do you under-recognize how much sacrifice that took for a pastor to say, hey, we're going to build a whole service to make sure that every need in our community is met so every young person and old person and anybody can get a different style of service. But then it says something else. It said, and they took him and they circumcised the man. Now, <laughs> they'd be like, man, it took a left turn. It did. <laughs> and I'm not going to talk into, I'm not, gonna, I'm not that pastor that goes into the graphic detail of what y'all know what that means. So that means at 18 years old, this brother would voluntarily, you would have to knock me out. Like, I'd be like, yeah, I'll follow you, Paul. And he would have to come back with that back and pick up. And I'd just fall out, wake up circumcised. That's what would have to happen for me to get circumcised at 18. No. This man voluntarily got circumcised. We have to ask the question. And theologically, for those who are wondering right now, I want to answer this question while we have a little time left. You were like, man, that's contradictory. Paul is the one who fought against circumcision of the Gentiles. Why would he now promote it? Right? You would think this is a, every commentary I read would spend like three pages trying to define why Paul was circumcised. Timothy, when he was the one that said, you don't need to circumcise in order to be a Christian. You know why he did? Because he knew the Jews wouldn't accept Timothy if he didn't, if he was a Jew, since he was a Jew. Excuse me, I already told you, I told the background would come back on you. Since his mama was a Jew, what was he? A Jew. And where did he have to go do ministry sometimes? The synagogue, would they accept his ministry if he was not circumcised? Absolutely not. So he had to make a, watch these words, sacrifice in order to serve. Uh-oh. So you're telling me, Pierre, from the pulpit, in order to serve God, I have to sacrifice something? And I'm not trying to be graphic. And sometimes lose something? Yes. And you know what's hard about Christians is we want convenient service, don't we? We want to serve when it's convenient and I don't have to sacrifice to do so. We want somebody to knock us out and then put us in our ministry. Women's ministry. No! <laughs> you know how people figure out their calling? is because they're willing to serve wherever they're called, and then sooner or later they find their niche, and then they serve faithfully because they were serving already, and service requires sacrifice. If you don't come to church, and you come once a month, and then you're like, I don't know, I feel, don't, I feel detached from the church. You only came. Of course you're going to feel detached. And if you don't serve in the church, of course you don't fit the body because you're not a part of the body yet. Service makes you a part of what God put his body together for. So if the finger don't show up and then says, I don't know why I'm not connected, it's because the finger didn't show up. But if you want to connect and serve, guess what you got to do? You can't quit. doesn't matter if you lose your Barnabas, and you got to keep going no matter who you lose because God will add. Therefore, I'm asking you a simple question. How many of us are convenient Christians? 
or how many of us, excuse the graphics, are willing to circumcise ourselves and circumcise our hearts so we can grow? Because if you're only waiting for Pierre Cannons to give you a sermon that'll knock you off your shoes and all of a sudden you're going to grow, that's not it. I'm not that good. But what's going to happen is if you say, hey, I'm going to go find a ministry in which we, my wife, or we can serve separately, or me and whoever, or individually, I can serve, and then I do it over and over again, the fruit will become evident. You will become a part of the body you love. You know how many people left the church during the pandemic because they felt lonely and the church never served them well? Now, partly, yeah, as pastors, we're working hard to make sure that never happened. But secondly, if you were in your group, in your small area, in your ministry, guess who would have called you? Because you weren't showing up to your normal post. If you go to your normal post, though, hear me out. This is going to make sense. I'm not, I'm not shifting blame before you get mad at me. If we, if we fighting, and you remember sometimes when we fight, there were people behind you. There was your homies, supposed to be. I never fought, so I'm going I'm to I'm say what I've seen because... I grew up in Katy, Texas. But you would, you would think your homies, who always were with you, would go to the fight with you. And they supposed to amp you up. That's their job. Bro, he ain't got nothing on you, fam. Swing. <laughs> and then they say random stuff, like, I got your back, fam. Go. If they jump, we jump. But if one person steps up and all the homies are like, man, I'm out, he's going to turn around and say, you're not at your normal what? Post. He's missing where you usually were supposed to be. But if you never showed up in the first place and you really weren't a part of the body, we can't miss what was never there. So, of course, you feel disconnected. You were never in the fight in the first place. It was a gang fight, but it really wasn't no gang. Gang, gang. It's only, for the young, it's only for the young folks in here. All right. <laughs> Paul wanted this man to do what? Verse 3, go with him. Only disciples can go, though. He didn't call the person that wasn't serving to go. He didn't call the man that never was well spoken of to go. And if you look at the word well spoken of, do you recognize earlier in the book of Acts, they only chose apostles, or sorry, disciples that were well spoken of be previous? You don't pick somebody that doesn't have well-spoken of before you go with them. Some of us like to add people to our lives and never well-spoken of. They should have a reputation before you get there if you're doing your calling, but let me get off that. I already said that. It says, let them go. But I just want to give you some scriptures to let you know that the person he added benefited the ministry of God. Now, just, just, I'm just going to list them for you. You don't even have to like it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1, three, chapter 3, 2, 3, 6. I'm just reading you all the things in which Timothy was now involved in Paul's ministry. Just pay attention. This just means that he didn't just go for one trip. What happened? We rocking forever. So Barnabas is gone, but what, how much is Timothy involved in ministry now? Oh, I'm not done yet. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Philemon chapter 1. That first, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. He's also very, variously identified as what? Our brother. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. And continue. So I, what I'm trying to get you to understand, and we haven't talked about 1 and 2 Timothy, where the whole book is addressed to who? Paul, Timothy's leadership, was he led the church in Paul's what? absence. So not only was he rocking with Paul on the journey, Paul left him so that Paul can continue his journey so that and then he would write letters to Timothy to encourage him while he was doing his calling. Okay, you're like, that's a lot. Bear with me. Timothy had a walk with Paul, hear me, before he can be left on his own. But if you don't want to walk with nobody, why would you think the church would lead you responsible to lead other people if you ain't never been led? Leaders have to be led first before they can be left alone. If you can't be trusted by leadership, why would we leave you with people who need to trust you for leadership? You've never been trustworthy. Sorry. And they'd be like, protect the church from people. The only way to protect is if we know who we're leaving. But then they don't want to get involved. They don't want to serve. They don't want to go to lunch. They don't want to break. I'm like, hey, man, let's go to lunch. Yeah, man, let's go. Never show up. Timothy was now left, and if he didn't go, he would have never been left. 
I love discipleship, man. Because if you, watch these, please, please, and I'm not knocking nobody. If you're willing to follow, then you're also willing to lead. But sometimes some of us are too prideful to follow. It's okay to follow somebody else for a little bit. Why do you think I'm here? Because I was willing to follow that man. That man is the only reason I am who I am. That woman is the only reason I am what I am. This woman is a beautiful person of who I serve even at my own house because she lets me be the man that I am. So therefore, sometimes you got to be willing to follow so you can lead. But some of us are too prideful to even submit to anybody. Tell you one scripture, you're like, I know that already. Hey, man, you check on your mirror. I already know how to talk to her. Not if you're talking to me like that. No, you. <laughs> gang, gang. <laughs> I told y'all we doubled our square footage. But watch what happens to the church. They finna double their square footage. Remember I said I lost money so I can double the square footage. I want you to get this because the house we moved into next wasn't even Monica's favorite. I remember she walked into the She was like, it's all right. I remember. She like, the kitchen, you know, needs work. Floors. I was like, oh, Jesus, I ain't got money for these improvements. I could fix a picture frame, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> we on a budget. I'm a youth pastor. Look, I, <laughs> I thought I was doing things. I was like, I'm going to get you a couch for the game room. <laughs> That's all I gave her. <laughs> that and some flows. We're like, all right. She knew the calling wasn't the house. It was temporary. And I'll talk about that in a second, but you got to be willing to lose to double. Now watch what happens to the church. Look at verse 4 and 5. Now while they were passing through the cities, they were delivering the decrees. Where did the decrees come from? Acts chapter 15. So Paul was following his calling to deliver the decrees to the, the Gentiles. And Timothy was rocking with them on all the travels to say, hey, let's pass out the decrees. What were decrees? Decrees were a formal statement or announcement to the people so what they should observe. So the Council of Jerusalem happened in Acts chapter 15. So now they're passing out, making sure people follow what they should have followed. And what should have been followed? Do you know what Acts chapter 15 solved? And y'all finna get a little dissertation in like 10 seconds. Acts chapter 15 solved the fact that Jew and Gentile were supposed to be able to harmonious. Acts chapter 15 also solved that people didn't have to be circumcised in order to have the harmonious and unified relationship. So what Paul was passing out to the Jews and the Gentiles, that's why he had to circumcise Timothy, because he had to pass it out to both, so that they can what? Now create churches just like Antioch. But what they didn't do, they didn't want to talk to each other because of the background of Jew and Gentile. So now if he didn't pass it out with Timothy, first Timothy wouldn't have known how to act, and then the church wouldn't know how to act. But in order for him, Paul, to be obedient, he had to go to the people he was told to go to and pass out the right decrees. And if they observed them, something happened. So sometimes you had to preach a sermon, hear me, that people don't like. I'm going to prove it to you, and I'm going to say it nice. There are some sermons where I already know, like, the membership going to be full. You know how I know? Talk about marriages, relationships. I'm even going to write my new book. I'm talking about good man, bad man. I don't know. I'm just making this up as I go. Because relationships get people to come to church. Because everybody either is single, once, sometimes, sometimes, you should be content with where you are. They want to know how to get one. And if they in one, they want to know how to keep one. But nobody wants to hear sermons about theology. So the church starts to dwindle when you start to talk about serious subjects, right? Because you're starting to talk about things they don't want to do. But if you say, how do you get a happy home? How do you increase your money? How do you get your bank account right? Oh, man, we good. Come on, coming. You, you talking about how, uh, how to get my savings account right? I'm here. Because the church became a self-seeking church. I come for what I can get from it, and I go home and take whatever you give me. But if you don't give me what I want, I go to another church and I find it. He was passing out things that they didn't even want to hear. So guess what he was passing out? Information that would probably get him harmed all over again, wasn't it? And guess who had to go with him? Timothy. Because Timothy had to see that sometimes you're going to have to suffer if you're passing out the right stuff. You don't think living word, we don't want it packed in here? You don't think I can start making up stuff from this pulpit to make people get excited about that word? But the last thing, last time I checked, I don't have to make you get excited. That comes from your heart. 
So if I only create a sermon to get you excited, I created the wrong sermon. That's called eisegesis. But if I create an exegetical sermon, you'll get excited if your heart's already right. So guess what I'm going to pass out? I'm fixing to pass out the creed. Ezra only had to read it before they got up and they cried and they stood and they did. So sooner or later, I want Living Word to get to a point where I can get up, read it. It already convicts you because your heart was already ready. You go home, you do it. Wouldn't you want the church to be like that? Instead of me or anybody having to do certain things to get you to do it? I told you, young adults, I'd throw it in. If you were at Bible study, you knew what I just did. Now, verse, chapter, verse 5. <laughs> young adults, y'all, young adults, y'all, legit, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you got to come to church. So the churches were being strengthened in the faith. What happened when you pass out the creed? They were being, but the word strengthened doesn't mean they became strong and they was like working out. The word strengthened means that they were what? Become firmer in the conviction and the commitment to the conviction. We don't want you to be excited. We want you stronger. Discipleship is not about making you excited. Discipleship is about making you stronger so you can go disciple somebody else. We want families strong. We want singles strong. We want ministries strong. We want to create new leaders, discipleship, deacons, elders. Why? Because it makes the church strong. But if we only make excited Christians, guess what happens to excitement? It comes and it, it ebbs and it flows. So that means every Sunday I have to put on a performance to make you excited so that you can leave like you did something. But if I just start giving you the creed, what happens? We get strong together. Sooner or later, I'll be able to teach a word, straight theology, and you'll be excited about it. One time I saw Dr. Tony Evans preach a message on Daniel. You know how difficult Daniel is? And the church was standing up. He was talking about the visions of Daniel, and the church was eating it up. Living word, that's what we should be about. That not every sermon has to be about fixing your marriage because the stronger you get is the more your marriage is fixed. Therefore, guess what happens? Guess what happens? You don't need relationship sermons no more. You won't need it because you're good. You're content in your singleness. You're fine. Now you want to eat. Like, Pierre, I got, the mata- I got the potatoes. You gave me the milk. Now, can I get a steak, please? You're going to be like, hey, I can't wait to get the Bible study because pastor going to break us off that meat. I can't wait to be in legit Bible study because Kiron going to break us off the meat. We don't have to talk about how you're single and you're going to make it. No, you made it. Here's the decree. Because not only were they strengthened, they say they increased in number. And you're like, yeah, look, this whole sermon is about increasing in number. No. But it's the result of discipleship, though. Because guess what happens to people who grow here? They go tell their friends about where they're growing at, and then friends see the fruit of the marriage. They get to see your healthy relationship, your healthy singles, your employees start, or your, your people that you work with start saying, man, you changed, bro. You're like, let me tell you about my God. So the church doesn't increase in number because the pastor gets more exciting. The church increases in number because the people are excited about the word they just received. And they get so strong in their convictions, nobody can break them. Nobody gets you off your page. Nobody gets to tell you about crystals. Now you've got 18 crystals on stage. Nobody gets to tell you about your spiritualness. And the Hebrew Israelites don't get to steal you away from the church. You stick. And if you stick, they'll come. But if you waver, they'll waver. So look, we can preach a thousand sermons and the church will stay the same size. But if we can build disciples, the church is always going to grow. How do I know that? Acts chapter 2. Because guess who adds to his church? It ain't Pierre. No offense, I love you, Pops, but it ain't Pastor Cannons. We can design new ministry after new ministry. We can do a whole bunch of cool things to get you to be like, man, this church is popping. But you know what God says? I add to my church. We don't add to the church. We take care of the people he adds to. 
But we only are responsible to take care of the people that God's adding. So when you join the church, then you see you like, why do we join the church? So that we can shepherd you well. You can be held accountable to the decrees of God, the ordinance of God. That's our job is to make sure the people in here grow. But I'm not fixing to. Pastor ain't fixing to. The elders ain't fixing to change church to make people happy so they can join. That's the opposite of God. Last time I checked, I don't have to make God excited. Because you woke up this morning, you should be excited already. Last time I checked, when you breathe in and you breathe out, you should be excited. The last time I checked, when I saw the sin and you see the Jesus Christ down the cross for your sins, you should be excited. The last time I checked, when he rose three days later and he got up from the grave, you should be excited. So I don't have to make God excited. I just have to give you who he is and you grow. Mm. Y'all know I don't get decided like that too much, no. Even Chris started walking like he was going to play a piano. He know I can't carry no song like that. <laughs> Chris was like, do I come? No, you know I can't keep going. <laughs> get your McQueens off the stage. <laughs> if you're online, you never got that. So. Let me finish the journey and I'm done. So we was in the second house. Because the vision was double the square footage, right? So that guess what we can do one day? Sell it and take the equity. If we can sell it and take the equity, then we could buy a home that we really like. So my wife was willing to suffer in the kitchen she didn't like, in the house she didn't like, because we knew that if the house does what it's supposed to do and the market recovers, guess what happens? We get to sell above asking price because she did a small improvements, and on top of that, we get the equity. So then we got back on the market. Y'all hear me out, this is important. We got back on the market, we were going to make a substantial amount of equity because we bought on the downside and willing to sacrifice on the front side. And now we get back on the market. We get back on the market, we're looking for houses, we can't find one we like. So then we have to wait. We get disappointed. Then all of a sudden we get back on the market and there's a house that had to decrease all the way from $330,000 but she couldn't sell it because she was asking too much and she had to come down 100000 Because God has timing, and he has seasons. Hear me out. So not only did we keep our square footage because we got the house a, a one-story. I don't go up them stairs no more with that laundry. I don't have to go up and down. Nah, we good. And them little kids, you know, they be falling. You know, some of them kids got a big head. He's still in here. <laughs> now we get to walk on a one-story with the same square footage because there's seasons to this. Because... Timing. And everything connects. So when people come and they start saying, I like your house, let me tell you a story. There was a story that we lost a lot. And there was a story we didn't like the season we were in at the house in the second house. But the, the house that you see is the result of just going through the journey. So sometimes you, you might be in the second house journey where you don't like the things in your life. You wish the kitchen could be bigger in your life. You wish your savings account and your marriage could be bigger in your life. And God's looking at you, I said, I need you to stay the course. You might be in the first journey, you're like, Pierre, you don't recognize I'm fixing to lose a lot. And I'm like, I understand that too. But I do know when my God's done, he starts to add to his church. If you just are willing to grow and be discipled, he's going to add to your life and he's going to add to the body of Christ. We are not going to start manipulating you to be a part of the church because if you just walk the journey with me, he's going to grow you and he's going to grow this body. So when they look at your final house one day, and they say, ooh, I like your marriage. Ooh, I like your kids. Ooh, I like this about you. You can say, let me stop for a second. And let me tell you about the season in which I lost. Let me tell you about the season where I had to learn to be content. Let me tell you about the season where I was single. I thought nobody wanted me. And now I have a beautiful husband or a beautiful wife. Let me tell you about the season where I couldn't get pregnant and now I'm pregnant. Let me tell you about the season where my kids were unruly and now they are obedient. Let me tell you about the season where I thought I lost everything, but low lows, I gained everything. You know why I gained it? Because I was faithful to disciple and grow and I kept doing what God told me to do. Let us, let us pray. Heavenly Father, there's certain people in these different seasons right now. I told you God has convicted me because I'm trying to learn how to be faithful right now in my seasons.
I just pray for everyone in this room, no matter what season they're in, a season of uncertainty, a season of loss, but they will be willing to be discipled, man. Everything seems like it's negative if you're not in the word or you're not growing. You're going to forget that this is a journey, that you're connecting things. You're putting people in and out of our life. They are necessary pieces. So, God, I pray that I know this sermon was more of a narrative and it had to flow with me, but I pray that they will take parts of this sermon and apply it to their life. I, don't, I know you're teaching me. We're never done. I don't care if you're younger in the faith or old in the faith. This sermon was for you because we're never done. I pray that people add to the body. We don't just want numbers here, God. We want disciples here. We want people who are willing to grow, learn, and come and walk and be led. And I just I pray for living word. I thank you for sustaining living word. But we ain't done yet, God. I thank you for a pastor who's enduring, persevering. I thank you for my mom who perseveres and endures. I thank you for my wife who's willing to persevere and endure. This has been a season. Thank you for my kids. So much to be thankful for. God, before I can go off on a rant, I just want to say I love you. And for those who are here in the sanctuary, that any part of this sermon touched your life, whether it's like, you know, there's people in and out of your life, whether you feel like you're losing right now, whether you feel like God's adding to that, whether you feel like you're, you don't know where I'm at, but I know that I have to start being discipled. I've been a few sitter way too long, and it's time for me to be discipled. I need to be led. I need to find my place. I need to serve. And this sermon was for you today. Two things. You got two choices. You can come or you can stand. But either way, it's your commitment. Either way, it's yours. But I do know that it's only between you and God because it says he's strengthened. Today is a day of strengthening, becoming firm in your convictions, and today is your day. So while Chris sings, I challenge you to either stand or come. We love you at Living Word and want to be a part of that. Christ.